the only thing that increases in value if you share it is knowledge. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Oh, yeah, baby, Pillinger. Colin Pillinger. Born on this day, Matt, 9th of May, 1943. He comes up, he comes up with our chat today when we're talking to Anthony and Jake from Off Nominal, or at least uh, The Beagle does. Yeah, this is it. We've got a very special um, interview with the lads later on. From across the pond. Our special friends from across the pond. One in Canada, one in the States. In Philly, in Philly, in Philly. Philly. So, yeah, I tell you what is very cool that they should be on this week, because it is actually, it comes around quickly, it's actually Space News Week, our uh, one every four podcast. Uh Uh, uh, And it happens to be, I think, one of the busiest weeks ever in space. Really is. So that's all we're going to do. That's all we're going to do. Ja- Jamie, we'll, let, we'll leave all the big news for Anthony and Jake to break down yes. for us in, in, the, in, the, in the interview that comes after the news that happened after we spoke to them. Oh, my God. Where do we start? Yes, yeah, so, so much has happened since we last talked, Jamie. I, I was actually on uh, BBC yesterday, yeah, BBC you were. Five Live, talking about the first, first news story. You texted me, didn't you, and said, can you get on the radio in 10 minutes? And I was like, no, I can't. I've got a meeting. <laughs> Damn it. I know. So, yeah, Tom Cruise is going to space. So what? There's a, there's a film he did back in 2002 where he's the narrator on Space Station 3D, which is uh-huh. in a lot of these sort of IMAX theatres that are at things like the Science Museum, stuff like that. Yes. Well, that's he's just doing another one of those. He's just doing a NASA, you know, NASA and Tom Cruise are collaborating. You know, it's like, yeah, so what, really? And then yeah. it's like, no, no, he's actually flying to the International Space Station to that do is, a film. That, that is mental. <laughs> but luckily, in the back of my head, Jamie, I was thinking, is it that crazy? And it's like, yes, the NASA first action film aboard the ISS. And I was thinking, actually, that's not true because... Old, our fellow Brit, Richard Garriott, son of uh-huh. Owen Garriott, when he went up, which of course is very similar, he, he wasn't an astronaut, he was, a, he was a software developer with a lot of money in his back pocket, mm. he went up and filmed the 2012 Apogee of Fear. Apogee of Fear, of course. So which is only 12 minutes long and is obviously a bit, probably a bit of a silly film. But it's a film, nevertheless, shot on the ISS, a work of fiction. 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 I've got so many questions, though. So is Tom Cruise, uh, is he in training? What's the score? Well, I, I, yeah, th- I mean, this, this came up quite a bit on, on, on the chat. It was like, oh, you'll have to do two years of training. You'll have to learn to fly. You'll have to, you know, you'll have to uh, do all the swimming pool stuff, which, which I think is nonsense. I, I think if you're just visiting the ISS... Yeah, you don't have to learn. Yeah, they're not going to be asking him to do any experiments. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to have to go outside and do a bit of welding. He might come out on the ISS, but I doubt he's going to egress. (laughs) 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 So (laughs) good, good. Thanks. Uh, So yeah, he's um, yeah. I would imagine he'll have to do like six months of training. He'll have to 
pass like a basic medical for for definites, right? He is mm. 58. But remember, John Glenn was 77 when he went up. Yeah, so and, you know, Tom Cruise is uh, he's he's still in pretty fit, good he? shape. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's pretty, well, he's actually 57, he's almost 58. But it, it's, yeah, he is in, he's in great shape. He's obviously super disciplined. So well, when I'd he does imagine... His, when he still does his own stunts. So when he gets fired into space towards Mars, is that going to be him or a double? <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, mate, oh, I just I just don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that will be most of the training will be will be telling him what he can and what he can't do basically. God, how exciting. Imagine someone saying that to oh, you. All right, oh, Tom. Um this time we're actually going to send you to space. Uh, weirdly, I mean, wow. it'd be odd for Tom Cruise because when he's aboard the ISS, he really will be everyone just won't give a monkeys that it's him. You know, mm. they'll all be like, actually, you're kind of in the way, mate. I, I, yeah. It, when you look at the space tourists that have been before, it's actually astronauts are, are quite snobby towards them. So, for example, Dennis Tito, who was the first ever commercial um, astronaut to go on the ISS. Yeah. He was, he's, he's part of the, um, the company that send people up there, I can't remember, uh, off the top of my head, they're called Space Adventures, Inc. He was uh-huh. one of the first people to go up, Tito. And uh, when after doing the Russian uh, part of training, when they came over to NASA to do the American part, to train for the American section, um, uh, NASA sent them home and the, and the cosmonauts home, saying, no, that all the astronauts uh, refused to train with Dennis. That's, that's how oh. snobby they were about it. So yeah, it was. Um, it's like totally. I can totally understand it. You know, you're there to do a job. It's not. It's not some. Uh, you know, fishbowl. No, I just no. think um, they're going to be like, oh, great. But here, here's to get on the with thing. Job. But the thing is, it is going to get so many people looking at the industry that might not have been. Yeah, the ISS has cost a hundred and seventy billion dollars, right? Mm. And it's and that's it's not just American taxpayers; it's it's UK taxpayers, French taxpayers, Russian taxpayers, Japanese taxpayers have all put in for this. So, to have someone of Tom Cruise's reach in terms of publicity yeah. is clearly a good thing. You know, NASA NASA understand that the outreach part of the ISS is probably its most valuable asset so you know completely agree yes it's a good thing so there we go that one of my favorite visitors to the iss who wasn't an astronaut was a chap called jack garn now jack, jack garn, garn yeah he was a senator at the time so he oh. he yeah he went as um he he went as a kind of congressional observer, so it, it, he was he he was a bit of a lad. He'd, he'd he'd been a pilot and everything else, so he was he was kind of made of astronaut stuff. Mm. But when he got there, when he got to the ISS, he was so sick. He had such bad space sickness that the space sickness is now measured in garns. No. So one, so one gun is fully space sick that you're vomiting oh everywhere. Oh my god! Imagine, imagine <laughs> that being named after you. So yeah, that's uh, there. We go. It's how um, sick are you on a level of Franklin's one or ten? <laughs> yeah, actually, you're a bit like that on trains, aren't you? 
I am. Oh God! If I if I read <laughs> on a train, it's almost game over. I know it's so frustrating. You know that oh. time I was researching for the podcast, looking at the notes, and um, I called you, didn't I? The, yeah. At the end of the day, and said, "Yeah, I threw up on the train this morning." That's that's the dedication at peaks. Yeah, that's there we the go. dedication. We pulled into Victoria, <laughs> and I thought I might be all right if I get some fresh air. Nope. To run to the toilet, and if you know anything about. British train toilets. They're not, they're not great. Oh, no. I always no, worry, really Matt, are. that someone's going to, you know, when you press the lock button, that someone's going to just, I've seen it oh. happen a few times. Oh, where yeah. Oh, no, I've seen the door forgotten open. Yeah, yeah. To, forgotten to press the lock and they're sat there on the bog. I, I've seen the door oh, open. God. I've seen the door open when it's not supposed to. Yeah, it's, it's not it's good. Ridiculous. It's not, it's not good. Particularly when you're trying to join the mile high, high club equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh dear! Uh, so Jamie, um, yeah, uh, yeah we, we should really move on because there's so much stupidly oh. huge news, right? Yes. So the next news that was absolutely, what I think, and we've I've said this right at the beginning of the year in the preview of the year. This is one of the massive bits of news. China have launched their equivalent, sort of, of the Orion space capsule on. Oh. On on the maiden voyage of the Long March Five B. Now yes. that's actually still g- going on. So this capsule's gone up and it's doing this huge um, arc over the Earth in orbit. It is, and will return. So that that so we won't know the full results of that. But so far, it's gone very very well. And uh, yeah, so that that is the equivalent. Where um, Anthony in in the in our little talk talks about when he went down to the Cape to see. In 2014, the Orion being launched on a Delta IV Heavy. Yeah. Well, this mission that the Chinese have done is almost identical to that. It's a it's their latest crewed capsule, very similar to Orion, being launched on a rocket that's actually very similar in kind of power to the Delta IV Heavy. So uh-huh. very similar to the one that uh, Anthony was talking about. But let's face it, China have got unbelievable momentum now. As in, they're they smashing are, it, aren't they? Yeah, they they really are. They, I, I reckon we can say that they've kind of overtaken Russia here, because you know they've had a moon, a successful moon landing this year. They've got a Mars mission that's still going ahead. Um, they've now got a really serious human spaceflight program where they've where they've basically they've this space capsule replaces their kind of larger version of the Soyuz, which is a kind of licensed variant of the Soyuz called the Shenzhou. Mm. So the Shenzhou is being replaced by this much more capable, uh, uh, well, at the moment it's not, it's not even named, but it's, it's, it's kind of got this very long name in Japanese, uh, Chinese that uh, translates as Chinese next generation people's spacecraft. Yeah. So uh, not catchy. It's not great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a bit doesn't like roll off the tongue, but it's a that's bit okay. like space launch system, you know, yeah. boring titles like that. Come on, peeps, there's got to be a better way. Boat, boaty McBoat face, those kind of exactly. things would be so much cooler. That would get people talking about the space program. Come on, I think it should be the listeners of the interplanetary podcast that should come up with these names. Yeah, totally, and just send I'll them send, in. I'll send and- a couple of tweets out, I'll make it happen. I mean, we already had we already had our listeners name the Euro- European Mars rover the Franklin rover. So exactly, come on! 
and they uh, have, that's the power that that's the power that our listeners that's have. That's the power that that's the power that you've had. This is awesome. Uh, so yes, China really, really pushing for it now. So this big new space capsule got a couple of modules, a bit like the Orion. But what makes it really special? and actually better than Orion, is that it's got enough Delta V to be able to fly to the moon and fly back again. Whereas actually the Orion doesn't really have that capability. It can't get itself into orbit around the moon, drop off astronauts and come back again. Mm. So it's not, it's not, uh, Orion isn't really as capable as the, um, the uh, Apollo uh, command module. So it's like, the, it's, 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 but this one is the uh, the Chinese one is so we've got this race now the Chinese I wouldn't bet against the Chinese putting feet on the moon before the Americans now. Ooh, I'm going to go with you on that actually. That I mean the Chinese are going to do it in the 2030s. I've already said that, but but the thought of Americans actually getting people on the moon this decade. I don't think yeah. that's a. I don't think that's a done deal. I'd be, you know, I hope it's something like twenty twenty six or twenty twenty eight or something round about that. But you know, if the Chinese are breathing down their neck, and then end up beating them, wow, it's going to be huge, 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 Absolutely. huge, huge. Um, but yeah, Go so on, China. I, well, I think this we're sort of entering a new space race for for real. Um, and of course, then there's Elon Musk as well, who might just try and put people on the moon just for a laugh with his uh, yeah. Starship. But who knows? Exactly. Who knows yeah. about Starship? So, uh, really sad one, and this is sad, a little bit worrying. Uh, yeah. Is the is the passing of Yevgeny Mikrin? Yes. Who wasn't that old? Born in 1955. Uh, yeah. He he's. This is what Putin said about him. This is this is how important this guy is. Yevgeny Mikrin made an invaluable contribution to Russian science and engineering, and as well as the national space program, he rightly enjoyed strong authority and respect among his partners, friends, and colleagues. We will always keep the memory of this talented man who was dedicated to calling and his country's interests in our hearts. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Vladimir there. Yeah, Vladimir Putin. Yevgeny Mikrin, chief designer. You know, this is this is our age's Korolov. Yeah. Has died at 64 from COVID-19. It's very sad, yeah. So, and, and the really crazy thing about that is that he was a healthy man when he attended the Soyuz spacecraft lifting off in April 9th for the Expedition 62 from mm. Baikonur. So he was healthy there, and it's and there's a suspicion that he actually caught the virus in Baikonur, which oh, really? is yeah. Well, of course, you know that's not sent, good. That's not good. Yeah. So uh, luckily, the astronauts that have gone there uh, seem to be outside of that incubation period, so mm. I don't think they contracted it. But you could, I think, you could call that a pretty near miss. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? But oh, that's very sad news. Rest super in peace. Sad. Yeah, super sad. I think that's a terrible blow for well, Matt, the uh, Russian space program. If I'm, if I'm honest, let me let me tell you one uh, one door closes mm-hmm. and another door opens. That's life, and we welcome <laughs> the birth of a new Musk drink. Yeah, Musk um, drink. Uh, would you like to Would you like to announce the name of the baby boy? I think the baby boy is called XAIA12. Wow. Do, do, you want, do 
Do you want me to explain Solid. it? I know, but I'd love you to explain it. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, Grimes explained it to us. What does the so X stand? What does the X stand for? I think that's uh, you know like um, unknown, well, both, isn't it? Both, yeah, unknown, as in sort of like not male, not female, just a person. Yeah, A E that is the ancient kind of archaic way of of saying AI, so artificial intelligence. Yeah, but it, but it also translates as love, apparently. Yeah. There we go. But this, my favourite bit, and this is super nerdy, my favourite plane is without a doubt Blackbird, right? Sure. And the A12 is the predecessor to that. It's the kind of non-weaponised version, reconnaissance aircraft version. Of yeah, the so, it's, so it's super fast and, and, and amazing, but, but not hostile. The A-12, of course, the A in the A-12 actually did stand for Archangel. And it turns out that Archangel is one of Grimes' favourite songs. Yeah, absolutely. Now, which Archangel song are we talking here? Do we know? You know, I I have no idea, Jamie. But I've got an amazing story that I only became aware of last week when I was having a drink with uh, Hot John and Jim King. Oh, double whammy. And they reminded me of the time where Grimes... Uh, was rehearsing in one of the rehearsal rooms that I looked after. Yeah. And uh, I spent a couple of days with Grimes uh, setting up her live playback system with her. So I yes. uh, yeah, I went in and, and I showed her how to use, get the sound card all uh, hooked up and, and get it all working properly. So And she was lovely. She was re- oh. I remember it well now. And it's like, oh, my God, was that Grimes? And it was like, yeah, it was Grimes. I was like, well, Matt, oh, right. You, yeah, yeah, of course you it know, was. You remember that I famously interviewed her for Roland um, oh, a while go. back. Yeah, so there we go. So, so we are, you know, fully connected. We're, so we're Elon, very, we feel very connected. Yeah. So Elon, if you're listening, which of course you are, because I know that you get a lot of your information about space from the podcast. Yes, yeah, uh, Is um, yeah, yeah. Your 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 wife will vouch for us. She'll tell us what lovely yeah. guys we are. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's great. Uh, come look on the after show. Her, yeah, look, look after look, her. Yeah, look after her. Yeah, look after Elon. You know, chill out a bit. Yeah, chill, chillax. I think you need to chillax. You've been a. Li- I think you've been overworking because you've gone a little bit mental. I think he's just pretending. I think he's just pretending to being be mental. sarcastic. Sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> Genius. Yeah. Right. Final bit of news, Jamie, which is here we go. Absolutely ace. Better be. Is well, it is a new paper that's been doing the rounds, uh, and what an amazing paper it is. Because it there's there's kind of like a double whammy in it, so hmm. a naked eye triple system with a non-accreting black hole at the centre of it all, and that's uh, uh, the, the actual paper's called a naked eye triple system with a non-accreting black hole in the inner binary, and that <laughs> and that's by Rivenius et al. and that and they're from the European. Organisation for Astronomical Research in the Southern Hemisphere. Right, should we break it down, Matt? ESO. Because, I mean, of, of course you know that that title yes, well, um, needs quick, a bit of breakdown, doesn't a it? A little bit, little bit of breakdown. So, yes, there's an unusual system out there, but it is visible eye. So you can look out and actually see these faint stars up in the night sky. Hmm. Actually... I don't think you can from the Northern Hemisphere. You'd have to go to the Southern Hemisphere to look to the constellation of Telescopium. Yes. uh, Yes. uh, It's a naked eye, triple system. And you look out, and the system is called 
HR6819. Another brilliant uh-huh. name. Brilliant name. And they've used the uh, ESO's La Silla Observatory in Chile. And, yes. and it's revealed, revealed it's a hierarchical triple, right? Oh. And what that means, there's a classical BE star. So this isn't quite a supergiant star, big blue star with a bit of a bit of an emission line in it. And, uh, and that's on the outside. And that's orbiting another star. But what that star turns out to be is actually a binary system. So the inner binary system is a 40-day binary where these two objects are orbiting each other in, over a 40-day period. One of them is a B3 III star, and that is another yeah. big, big, big blue star. And it's got an unseen companion. And that's this unseen companion is the, is the funny bit. It's like, well, is it what, what mass must it be for them to be able to do this kind of orbital dance and can you have a star that's dim enough that we wouldn't be able to see it from here and the answer is no so so this rapidly rotating blue white star this 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 star that's orbiting this other very dim object it's it's estimated to be about 50 million years old this star and it's going at 50 kilometers a second uh it's six and a half times bigger than the mass of the sun. <laughs> and it, and it's 449 times brighter, <laughs> which is pretty bright. Wow. <laughs> and it's spinning around. So the radial velocity, 61 kilometers a second of the inner star and its minimum probable mass of five solar masses means that the unseen object must have a mass of about 4.2 solar masses. And therefore, it, it would be bright enough if it was a if it was a stellar object. So it must be dun, 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 a black hole. Oh my god! So this black hole in HR six eight one nine is now the closest known black hole to the sun. <gasps> the only known black hole in a system that's visible with the naked eye. That is cool, isn't it? That's you can look up cool. in the southern hemisphere, look at those triples and say, "Well, I can't see the black hole, but I know it's there. I know it's there. I know it's there." Yeah, and uh, the, 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 there's another result to that, of course, um, is that they know that there's these quiet black holes. The thing about black holes, they can either have this accretion disk where they're kind of feeding on something. Gas has fallen in and got superheated, and you can actually see these things in X-rays, like yeah. Cyg- like the Cygnus X1, not the Rush song, but the black hole that's six times further away than this one in the uh-huh. constellation of Cygnus, the one that's very, very obvious in the in the summer sky. Yeah. Uh, the Cygnus X1. Uh, is a very bright source of X-rays, and now we know that it's a, a black hole. Uh, but it's but it's feeding on on dust, and that dust is getting very hot, hot and emitting X-rays. But this black hole isn't feeding on anything. It's got hasn't got an yeah. accretion disk, so you can't see it really. Uh huh. It's just completely silent, but massive. Wow. Silent, that's but so, massive. That's that's cool, isn't it? It's super cool. I love so, that story, Matt. But yeah, well, well. I mean, the main thing is, it's like now we know there might be lots of these black holes out there. And he says the, uh, and this is what Rivenius said. He says the fact that it's so close actually means that it cannot be very uncommon. So, right. yeah. so it, it means 
They've only found a few dozen black holes like this, but they suspect there might be, guess how many in our galaxy? How many black holes in our galaxy? Of this type, yeah. It, they found about 24, 25, something like that. But how many do you think, how many do you think there actually are in the galaxy? Um, well, I always thought there was one. Call me stupid. I always thought there was one black hole at the center of every galaxy. Nah, that's a soup. Yeah, but that's the supermassive black hole. That black hole has oh, got well, then I'm millions say... of solar masses. Oh. Whereas this black hole is only, you know, four times bigger than, uh, is only four times more massive than the sun. It's barely a black hole, but, you know. Well, I'll say three billion then. Well, you might be about right, yeah. But there, there, there might be billions of these things in the galaxy. Do you see how I went from one to three billion very yeah, I, quickly? I, I, I did. I did. Do you know what? Apparently, that kind of central area where the where the where the supermassive black hole at the centre of our galaxy is, apparently, that might be swarming with billions of smaller black holes. These kind of stellar remnants. Very, yeah. very exciting. Ah uh, yes, but ha- it's, it's, get it's, in. It's only one thousand one hundred twenty light years away. But we'll be able to get there, Matt. Yeah, it's drifting away by fifteen kilometers a second. So even if you were Come in a really back. fast spacecraft, it would still be going away from you. Be oh god, ah, oh. uh, Jamie, enough of this. Shall we listen? Enough. To, enough. Shall we listen to our lovely friends, um, Jake and Anthony? And I love them because they're they're very funny men as well. Great, great people, great podcasters. Give them a listen. The Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace back into space. We're joined on the podcast by uh, two youngsters from the space podcasting scene. You know, I like to think of them as our friends across the Atlantic. They are Jake and Anthony of Off Nominal we Martians and Main Engine Cutoff Podcasts. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Welcome. Hello. It has been a long time. We want to first start by asking, how are you? What is the situation where you are? Are you both okay? Yes, I am okay. Thank you for asking. Uh, it's it's you know it's pretty okay over where I am. Um, I'm in Vancouver, in Canada, and uh, uh, we didn't get hit too bad by any coronavirus stuff. So. Um, the weather's been nice, and and we're just kind of chilling at home, and and you know enjoying a little bit of change of pace, I guess. But um, yeah, good. I mean, how about uh, how about you, Anthony? I'm good. I'm you know we're snuggled you're, right up. Close. You're closer to some of the scary stuff. Yeah, so. we're we're close to the mayhem, but uh, Philly itself has been okay. But it's just our friends in our north and east that have been hit the hardest. Uh, it's weird that it hasn't made yeah. it to our area as much, but. Uh, for me, I am always working from home anyway, so this is not a big change. My wife works at the hospital, still a thing that happens, so not a huge difference day to day, which is makes it somewhat weirder in that like personal life hasn't changed a lot, but the entire yeah. world is, has. But I am encouraged by now there is space news, because for the first month of this, there was just no space news. And for the last like couple of weeks, space news. It was or like terrible this center's space closed, news. Yeah. This center's closed. <laughs> All of your favorite companies shut down. Everyone's laid canceled. off. Yeah. <laughs> but things are like, yeah, I think everyone's adjusting yeah. now. This is what we want to know from you. Yeah, we want, we, want some, we want this to be a positive show. You know, you can tell us all of the things that are happening that we don't know about over here. <laughs> but, but, but before you start, 
Anthony, I, I, I've got one quick question. I've, I've recently become obsessed with the program. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, is man. that is that is that is that representative of your home city? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. In many ways, it is. It, so that show started when I was going to college in Florida. So I would watch it and be like, "Oh, this is a little piece of home," even though it is the most you know, extreme kind of cartoonized <laughs> version of, but I yeah. do feel like I have a couple of uncles that could easily have appeared in that show. No problem at all. I don't <laughs> know like if you've the seen Letter that. Kenny of Philadelphia. Is that what it is? Oh, I think Leonard Kenny, letter. What is it? Leonard, Leonard, Letter Kenny, Leonard Kenny. Is that a guy letter. from a band? <laughs> well, do you know that's what's bizarre. ironic? That's yeah. the clip. That's the clip I sent today to Matt. Yeah. Cause I was like, I'd never heard of him this before. Is genius. I'd never heard of him for yeah. This is twice. That just goes that, that thing of, of things where people say something and then it, it happens twice in a day. Yeah, you've actually done it. It's I a glitch in the it matrix. Is a, that is I a love glitch it. right there. <laughs> it is incredible. I love that. So anyone who hasn't seen Letter Kenny, get on it. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's a it's a really good show. It's funny. That is the Canadian version of Always Sunny, I think. Which was first. Well, I thought yeah. Always Sunny was first. Yeah, Sunny Sunny's pretty old. So. It's like on yeah. forty seasons at this point. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know if you've something seen the episode where uh they write a letter to Chase Utley of the Philadelphia Phillies, the baseball team, but that yeah. one is very realistic. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't seen that one. I need to get oh, involved. It's so good. Matt, it's so you, good. Matt, we should say a UK sitcom just so we can, you know. I, I'm trying to think of what would be a sim- I think, I think Anything good? Oh, man. I, I, the only thing I can think of that's similar to... Don't uh, Nabby. Uh, <laughs> don't <nabby>. Come on, <laughs> give me a break. I think the only thing that's simi- similar to uh, Always Sunny is uh, is probably something like Bottom. <laughs> Blimey, that yeah, is yeah. But yeah, we haven't, we haven't really got anything like that for a, for a while. Red Dwarf? No, yeah. I don't know. Well, Red Dwarf, yeah. We, we've had Red Dwarf come up. A couple of times on because the the music. Did you do you hear our our interview with a guy called Stimpson who made a a, a a little video about opportunity? I'm a little behind. He, I have it in my spirit, but yeah, I haven't got. He 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 added yeah he, he an American added Red Dwarf theme music to our space playlist, which was a little bit mortifying <laughs> that we hadn't actually thought about adding it before. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "What about Red Dwarf?" Was like, oh, like, oh yeah, I keep trying to get I keep trying to get Matt to play it on the guitar. He says he knows it, but. We'll see. Oh yeah, I've been I've been working my way through Queen albums first. I've got to get good enough. <laughs> so, so right, right then, let's 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 kick off. Tell me a piece of space news that's happened. It's been dull, but there's but there's there definitely is something. I know that there's something. Yeah, where who do wants you wanna, to start? Where, where do you want to start? start? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the one paying for all these moon landers, so I feel like I uh, should probably true. bring this yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, let, yeah. yeah, let's get you the three are just coasting. Really appreciate You're that. You're coasting off my billion dollars that I just spent on a couple of companies to do some studies of of lunar landers here. Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> so this is the thing about this: we got it. Everyone's saying NASA funded lunar landers. This is a lunar lander in motion. They funded 10 months of studies yeah, of yeah. development of lunar landers that might one day be funded to be built. But this is big news. I'm not gonna try to not gonna try to downplay this. So we've got Blue Origin leading a company or a team of companies, North Grumman, Lockheed Martin, and Draper. It's the national team for what was the what was the phrase, Jake? Go something like uh, go together, go alone, or something. No, like that. no, no. National team for like a national. <laughs> oh, a national priority or something national like that? priority. Do, yeah. do you think they called it the national team to kind of uh, win over Trump? It's the kind. It seems to be the kind of phrasing that would work. 
well in it was pretty raw raw because this was announced at IAC in DC yeah, last oh, yeah. October and it was a pretty Team America kind of event. So ah oh, yes, well, yeah, we, so we we were there for that <laughs> announcement and it. Uh, uh, I think Anthony and I both are just like, yeah, that's a winner right there. Like this is this is the perfect combination of companies to to address exactly what all the different stakeholders want. Like it's you know it's got that sort of. The national team, the the American part, but it's also got like all the different mixes of 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 uh, expertise, right? Because Blue Origin kind of satisfies that like kind of spicy new space feel, like it feels fresh and innovative. And then you have Lockheed's sort of heritage and expertise. Draper did navigation for Apollo stuff, so like they have like uh, sort of a throwback. And um, uh, yeah, it was a four Grumman, quadrant victory. It was a four quadrant victory. Like <laughs> Northrop's uh, Cygnus platform is very well proven, and so it, it felt like a really good combo. And, and and even right there in the audience, we were just like, "Yeah, that's uh, that's the way to, that's going to yeah, go." Yeah, none of us are surprised that NASA awarded the contract no. to them for this. So that was that was the least surprising of the three that were picked. Well, what 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 was the most surprising one then? The most surprising was the fact that Starship is involved in this at all from SpaceX. It is yeah, totally mind blowing to me, and I did not expect this in even one sense of the word. No, I I wasn't expecting it, but I wasn't expecting it to be like a different design as well, like it with with no fins and and those weird rockets yeah. at the side. Uh, or, or were they very bright lights? Yeah, that'll keep working out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just this month's design yeah, iteration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't pay too much to the renders anymore. Everyone's kind of no. obsessing. They, had, I guess, they had like these like side thrusters on it that looked like they were like side mounted thrusters way high up to avoid the the plume interactions. And there was a whole debate like maybe they're lights, maybe they're thrusters. And I was kind of like, yeah, well, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did look more like lights. I must admit, I was thinking that they're, they're who knows. Thrusters, really. <laughs> I, I think they're engines. <clears throat> I, I think, think they're engines too. They're engines. I, I, I've, been, I've been saying for a while that like the 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 starship's gonna make a crater every time it lands when it because it's so big yeah. and and that moon dust is is not as uh it's not as stable as you'd like it to be. So uh, I've I've always kind of said that was a problem and and they know it too because they've been um they've been doing some studies where they had a NASA contract to to study sort of plume interactions with the lunar regolith, right? So. Maybe this is the result of that study is that they're like, yeah, there's no way around it. We need to put the thrusters higher up. It's kind of like how um, Curiosity lands, right? Because Curiosity had the sky crane and that's the whole point is to keep the, the thrusters away from the ground. So similar idea, I guess. Maybe they could do that. They could have another starship attached to the top of one starship and then <laughs> and land with crane. that and then drop it onto the surface and fly the other starship away. <laughs> you could, yeah. Well, Matt, now that Elon's selling all of his possessions, maybe to raise a bit of money, we could... You know, let him use our interplanetary podcast logo on the side. You know, that'll cost a few bucks. Or maybe as 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 we could use all our combined Patreon money. I mean, because we're talking about the power right here, aren't we? Thus far, there's a lot of money in the tin there. So we could probably <laughs> hundreds. Oh, it's huge. Maybe we could buy SpaceX off Elon if he's selling it. <laughs> he's apparently maybe. selling it. This was an <laughs> so, underreported part this week that he said all possessions, and nobody said what about SpaceX. <laughs> this is it you said Matt, it. i want to go back to something you said you said you were surprised that starship was a new design in this mm. i'm kind of weirded out by spacex lately because they seem to be doing this thing where for a while they're talking about how we're gonna have one vehicle that does everything it does it all and you don't have to have any other vehicles flying we're the only space vehicle that ever needs to be built because we're the best and then they won this contract a couple of weeks ago for nasa to send cargo to the gateway with a thing called Dragon XL, 
and then they mm. win this thing and with a new starship they seem to be drifting ever so slightly towards just another space company that builds stuff to contract and i know people are gonna be mad at me but that's what i'm seeing the last couple of weeks yeah well that that's kind of I, I mean i'm exactly the same that's why i was surprised i was thinking well yeah, because uh, I I just thought Starship. You you the whole point was you keep you just build one thing that does everything, flies you to Venus, flies you to Moon, gets you to Saturn. Wicked drops, parties out by the moon. Yeah, wicked wicked parties out by the moon oh, for hell Japanese yeah. creepy Japanese businessmen. <laughs> oh God, not him again. So yeah, it's 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 all very very odd. Yeah, I agree. No, it's not a bad thing. I think that this is what we all expect from SpaceX at some point, that they take their crazy groundbreaking ideas and then they moderate them over time as they get more real. That's <clears> what they've done with like Falcon 9 and all that. You've been on that beat for a while, Anthony, say, the, the trend of, of SpaceX transitioning from feisty startup to uh, you know establishment space. Yeah, company, they're, right? they're, they're like the big guy now, you know, and they that's cool. Like that's the circle of life. I'm not mad about it, but we got to come to grips with it. They're building <laughs> yeah. stuff to contract. I mean, I'm still waiting yeah. for one piece of, really, one piece of uh, 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 Jeff Bezos hardware. <laughs> when are Blue Origin actually going to do something? <laughs> but maybe, maybe this is it. Yeah, I mean, the Blue Moon seems like, uh, uh, it, it seems like it has more momentum than some of their other projects, right? Like, I, 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 the thing about New Glenn is I, I think it's happening in secret, and I just, you know, we just haven't seen anything. But, like, there's just been little glimpses that, like, to me indicate... Well, okay, they wouldn't have gone so far as to build and cure an entire giant fairing if, like, they weren't somewhere along with the rest of it too. Um, Anthony, you're you're been tracking the the engine. I guess there's maybe some some delays on the engine uh, development, but I think the rocket's probably okay. But but Blue Moon is like now they've got clips, um, so the robotic landings, and now they have this this lunar landing work. Like that that architecture seems to be gaining momentum and and, and traction and stuff. And so I feel like it may be one of the one of the early ones that breaks through for them. So tell us a little bit about that third contender because that was that was that was an odd one as well. Yeah, this is Dynetics. This is a company that has been around for a while and they do a lot of work with NASA, but they are very rarely this visible of like a prime competitor. And they have this crazy looking lander that is really low profile, like short, low to the ground. Right, Starship, you're coming off on the lunar surface. You got to take an <laughs> elevator for about thirty minutes to get down to the surface because it's <laughs> gigantic. This thing is like you're landing right on the surface of the moon. Uh, but it's got these little side <laughs> drop tanks that uh, it, it launches. Let me see if I can explain this without having any visuals. It launches under a big fairing, but it is attached uh, 90 degrees off of what you would expect to launch yeah, a vehicle, sideways. right? It's like a sideways thing. And then it launches, gets pushed out to the moon, and it's a really wide, short lander that has two tanks on the side of it. And then it it is to use those for part of the descent and then throw those tanks off let them smash into the moon, I guess, maybe go look at the wreckage later because that would be kind of sweet. And then it lands with just two tanks and the little habitation area. Um, They say that this could be a reusable sort of lander. So I wonder if those tanks, you know, you could bring two new ones up uh, and attach it later. Um, But it seems like this is going to be a conglomeration of the other contractors that you might know of. So Sierra Nevada, who's building the Dream Chaser for uh, cargo to the ISS, they're apparently going to be on contract for the actual habitation area of that lander, and Dynetics is the prime that's going to integrate all these other companies. So, there, yeah. uh, I think uh, Talos Alenia has got the pressure vessel too. I that makes they're, sense. They're helping, so they specialize um, in can-based 
pressure yeah, yeah. vessels. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Cylinder, uh, metal cylinders is their specialty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's totally like a, what they call it a consortium, right? But it's like, it's like 25 companies or some crazy thing. Can we and talk I, about Tale Zelenia real quick? I love that sure. the Italians generally have this knack for having these amazing, beautiful designs. They make cars that are incredibly intricate and wonderfully shaped. <laughs> but Tale Zelenia is just like, we make, uh, you know, if you want a can-shaped thing, we'll make one, and you can you can make it into a space station. You can do a cargo vehicle. You can do a moon lander. It's inspired by the Tower of Pisa. So, <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a heritage design, actually. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, they, they, they do make everything, though. Like when you travel around Europe, you have to go through a Talisalania like metal detector and stuff like that. Is it a circle? Like they do. Yeah, it, well, yeah, yeah, it is. It's the, it's the one where you put your arms out like that. And, <laughs> yeah, this one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. Hey, Jake, I've got a, qu- I've got a question um, about a – actually, it was a tweet that I saw on your, uh, on, on, on your uh, account. Uh, nothing to worry about, but it was actually just a bit of a sad moment. It was Bridenstine saying, we're asking people not to travel to the Kennedy Space Centre and I will tell you that that makes me sad to even say it. Oh, it is gutting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, things have to change, of course. But, I mean, is that, has that ever been done before, do you think? Uh, I don't, I, I doubt it. Like, I can't think of when that would have happened, but... Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's sad. And Anthony and I were talking about this uh, earlier, but it's just like, you know, this is such a huge moment. We're talking, of course, about commercial crew, right? So um, mm. uh, May 27th yeah. is, is the launch of uh, Demo Mission 2, which is SpaceX's Dragon capsule, taking actual astronauts to space. Uh, so this is the first time that the United States has launched astronauts since... None of those fake astronauts. We don't need any of those going to space yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, none of those, uh, those uh, <laughs> Ripley uh, dummies anymore, right? So... Uh, or was it uh, Mannequin Skywalker? So uh, yeah, so this is the the first time they've launched astronauts since 2011. Uh, it's a big moment for NASA. Um, I was planning to go. Uh, you know, everyone was was making big plans for it, and they kind of des- they deserve to celebrate this. It's a huge huge achievement, and then uh, now they have to kind of have this quiet virtual celebration. It's going to be it's going to be weird. It, it feels like this should be like like a very Apollo moment where there's people in their their campers parked along the uh, causeway and stuff and it's not going to happen so it's sad i was at the launch of orion in 2014 that didn't have any people on it was on a delta four heavy so it wasn't like massive pomp right but it was because it was the first thing that had been this really huge event since 2011 when the shuttle stopped flying so to think about how crazy it was three years after shuttle stopped flying with no people on board and then to consider what's another six and now there's people on board this would have been and plus spacex because everyone's crazy about spacex and falcon 9s this would have been an absolutely insane time on the space coast there would have been millions of people jamming into these towns if you've ever been to some of these towns they cannot handle millions of people they can barely handle the people that are currently there so it would have been absolutely incredible and rightfully so this is the biggest moment for nasa for you know, a decade. And it's just such a bummer that they, not only can they not fully celebrate it, but they have to be careful about celebrating it to the point where they don't want people to come out and see it. So they've got this like weird, you know, tiptoeing to do around the biggest achievement in their program that they've been waiting for all these years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? I can't believe you saw the, that test launch and it's still, and like that was so long ago as well. And you can't possibly have thought then while watching that that we would still be sitting here waiting for it. 
No, everyone was convinced 2017 was the year we'd be back for SLS at that point. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, if you told me then, that morning, December 2014, oh, it'll be at least 2021, 2022, I'd be like, how's this thing going to make it that long? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's insane. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you'll be lucky if it's 2021 now, I reckon. It would be lucky yeah. if, it's, if it's, yeah, yeah, it's more likely 2022 now for sure. At, at best. Yeah. At best, <laughs> if at all. That's, so actually, that's a I lot wanna, of time for more delays to happen. So. Uh, yeah, I want to circle back. So you, you, with the, with those lunar landers, they're, they're not all going to go up on SLS, are they? Well, obviously the SpaceX one isn't. No, that would be a real achievement to put a Starship <laughs> on an SLS. <laughs> but be, a political achievement for sure. <laughs> well, it's, it'd definitely be one we hadn't all guessed. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the, oh, the Dynatics one is apparently capable of SLS, but the... It's agnostic, I guess. They can do it on Vulcan too. I think. I think they all could could launch some components on SLS if if required. Of course, there's not really plans for cargo SLS right now, right? They talk about it, but there's no plans in action to build fairings for that big or whatever else that we would need to see. So Vulcan from United Launch Alliance and New Glenn from Blue Origin, are, I think, are going to do a lot of the heavy lifting here. They've got yeah. big fairings. They've got uh, each of them have about 13 to 14 tons that they can send to the moon. Um, I, I have a hard time believing Blue Origin would, would build some sort of landing system that couldn't be launched on New Glenn to the moon, you know, maybe, mm. maybe not the whole thing. They'd probably do the descent and the ascent, the thing that Lockheed Martin's building, uh, and then meet up with the Northrop Grumman tug somewhere else in space. Um, but that, it's got a seven meter gigantic fairing. That thing's going to fit under there. No problem. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, well, that tug might go up on a sig- uh, on the um, on the Antares one then, presumably. Mm, not Antares. Don't bring Antares up. I hate Antares. <laughs> Do you want to get you want to get in a fight, a tr- Matt? <laughs> trigger word for, for him. So yeah, Matt. Stop I, knew, up, I knew it stop was. Stop upsetting uh, our guests. <laughs> no, they, they launched. I got him. Um, they launched Cygnus on Annapolis once, though, didn't they? Twice. Ooh, twice. Twice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. So, I didn't know yeah. that. So I bet you it'll fit in a Vulcan just fine. Yeah. The other thing about that is, um, so the the. Cygnus-based habitation module is slated to fly to Gateway. Um, that's going to be the main habitation module. And that is apparently going to launch on something else. Falcon Heavy, Vulcan, New Glenn. Um, so Northrop Grumman, like Jake's saying, they do have a knack for making sure that their vehicles can fly on anything. They don't really care how they get there. Just make sure you've got enough to, to put us out to the moon. Um, and they have done a lot of testing in low Earth orbit. They've flown two Cygnuses at once. Uh, from they've let one depart the ISS, kept it up in orbit, sent another one up to the ISS to test how many they could have in space. So they've got, you know, they've got a really, really solid spacecraft bus there that can be used however they want it. Uh, so I would expect that one to be the most flexible, uh, you know, even just put me on any old rocket whenever you got a slot and I'll make my way out to the moon on my own. So I'm less worried about that. And, and it's more, uh, like the Dynetics thing we were talking about. It's a really long lander when you put it under a fairing. So that can't fit under the current Falcon Heavy fairing, maybe the future super long fairing, if that gets built. Um, but you're going to need something with size. And, and even to that end, you can't really fit it in that cargo area of SLS when Orion's flying either. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, for, for some reason, I, I, I just thought the Dynetics one was going up on a SLS with the exploration the, upper stage. The, the animation had it on a, on a EUS. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like that's definitely an option. Um, but I think they specifically said that it could be Vulcan as well. So yeah, we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's more. That's that's pretty far down the line, right? So I think a lot of the, the contracting on that will also be in very typical U.S. government fashion. It'll be 
kind of spread around so that everybody gets a piece and, um, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be sure that it's somewhat fair at least. So <laughs> I imagine that'll be one of the more driving factors rather than. Yeah. Than there was a lot, of, lot of money splashing around though, isn't it really just for development money or is it? I, I couldn't quite get my, my head around it because it seemed like SpaceX billion, didn't right? really, yeah. yeah, well, SpaceX didn't seem to get much of it either. Well, it was up to them how the, much they wanted to ask for. I was going to say, like, everyone was kind of like, uh, I saw a few comments that were like, oh, NASA's, uh, you know, chintzing mm. SpaceX out. But like, I think they just, they write the bid and they, NASA negotiates it and then they get what they what they get. And so, I especially think when just, it's these study kind of things, it's it, to SpaceX, it's kind of like, well, let's just cover our costs for the next 10 yeah, months they were doing somebody it works anyway, on the documentation. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, they're so. not going to stop welding stuff together in that field. No, that's no. kind of how they. That's one of their tricks for securing contracts, right? They just they just lowball you because they or lowball themselves, I guess, because they're they're <laughs> right. they're uh, they're doing it anyway, and they have the funding in some other fashion already. So it's just gravy money. Yeah, well, it's probably just well, talking covers of- Elon's legal bills and things like that, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it must be a fair few quid. But who's going to get who's going to get hit the most out of this? pandemic uh, i mean obviously spacex and nasa will be okay but going down the chain who do you guys think could potentially be in trouble exomars <laughs> yeah. too soon don't, i don't know don't. sorry yeah. sorry you <laughs> next you'll be yeah. saying one web yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean all, all, all the stuff i'm hearing about is like it's like uh small supply chain people right so anthony you had a good talk with um uh, Peter Beck, right from from Rocket Lab on your show, and you talked about this a little bit, and and some of the suppliers. So there was that, and uh, uh, there was a piece out uh, from Space News as well about ULA and some of their small suppliers that they had to step in and make sure were okay because some of these places are like ma and pa shops, right? So I don't know. I think you yeah. want to talk about that. That's a that's a weird thing that you don't you think of you know ULA building these giant rockets that are billions of dollars or whatever, but so many other parts are built by a company of ten people. And, and without these right. 10 people, you're not going to have a rocket. And it's companies like that that are going to have to figure out how to maintain the 10 people that know how to do what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so that's what Peter Beck from Rocket Lab was saying, that they've been buying advance orders from these small places that they know they need to help get through the next couple of months. They, they bought Sinclair yeah. Interplanetary, who makes star trackers and reaction wheels and things like that. Um, so they're, they're trying to use the money they have to make sure their suppliers can make it. And that's fine for Rocket Lab or people that are privately funded that have the money to spend. But ULA specifically is in a weird spot where they are the child company of Boeing and Lockheed Martin. And both of those companies, Boeing's obviously going through plenty of stuff unrelated to the pandemic. Lockheed Martin may be a little bit more secure. But to get either of them to worry about ULA uh, like subcontractors, I don't know what that's like organizationally, politically. That's much more complex than Rocket Lab saying we can fund this small company out of our own pocket that's already been raised by venture capital and it's totally up to Peter Beck to sign the check. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I suppose, I mean, that that's that's great though, isn't it? That the sort of bigger companies that have got an opportunity to sort of help out the little guys. It is cool to see because, so. you know, the, the companies themselves... If that is that 10-person company, they're not only working with Rocket Lab, they're probably working with a lot of other space startups that you know and love. And the space industry is very tiny. So, you know, especially on the smaller end of things. And any time that you've got somebody with some cash in the bank like Rocket Lab, Relativity recently raised a couple hundred million. Uh, these companies can probably prop up the smaller end uh, that helps prop up the companies that we haven't mentioned yet. 
So it's it's weird how much everyone's working with everybody, but hopefully they can get through it together because, uh, you know, we, we all agree that space is something that's worth doing. And if it were to all kind of die out, that's that's pretty big bummer. You know, Penn and Teller's probably not going to be back in Las Vegas for a while, but hopefully they'll they'll probably be fine. But I don't know that Rocket Lab will. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good call. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty crazy time, isn't it? You you just don't know what the kind of downstream effects of any of this will really be. I suppose. I mean, I, I guess. Yeah, we're still early, right? We're just kind of yeah. in phase one, which is is uh, stop the bleeding, right? So yeah, um, now we I mean, deal. let's face it. Presumably, the it's not it's not a given, is it, that uh, a nation like America and, and Anthony could probably talk talk more about this, but it will, you know, in in afterwards, if 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 we spiral into a recession or worse, a depression, then obviously things like lunar landings and things like that do seem a little bit over the top you know i, I kind of go back and forth now just i'll give you the my canadian perspective now but um i trying I, to sell robotic arms watch out for this guy but like you know on one hand you might think like that like nasa's discretionary spending and therefore it's going to get cut and just kind of the way the u.s budget system works that's in, in a lot of ways true right because just the the commerce and justice, whatever subcommittee that, that runs NASA is going to get a smaller piece of pie. But on the other hand, NASA is also like the perfect kind of sort of infrastructure stimulus that you want when you're trying to reboot mm. an economy. And so um, like Apollo did a, a lot to sort of uh, kickstart, you know, a lot of industry and, and they may want to do that again. And so I feel like it's kind of could go either way right now where NASA could get, could have really stark austerity and they'll, they'll cut back or they'll get a huge injection of money and, and, you know, Artemis will be something that, that is, takes part in sort of the American revival post pandemic. Right. Okay. Let me, let me burst the bubble for all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. I was just living in a little, no, no, no. It's bursting the bubble that you think that we ever spend less money. We don't spend less money in America. (laughs) What we do is we stop spending money as fast. So 10 years ago, we had this sequestration thing that didn't cut defense funding that cut the amount that it could be raised every year. We don't ever spend less money. I don't want to get too political here, but we have zero history of ever dropping our national budget. We, we increase it. We're spending money like crazy right now. We're spending trillions of dollars. No problem. It's going to be fine. NASA's going to get funded, especially things that fly on rockets. We love spending money for things that fly on rockets because most of our industry at some point can be sourced to a Boeing or Lockheed. Like it's going to trickle all the way down to these defense contractors because they make so much of what goes on in our country. And they fund, like we're saying with these small, you know, these small uh, suppliers, they fund so many of these companies. Look at SLS. It gets touted as saying we're propping up 50 states worth of small companies. Mm -hmm. It's it's ripe for putting cash into the economy. So we're not going to be cutting any funding here in the near future. Yeah, so that so actually, it's it's quite you, you you that's that's a very hopeful message. I quite like it. And, and I mean, it's hopeful for you as the guy who doesn't have to pay taxes in America. Yeah, but for for me, it's, it's maybe a little bit more complex. Yeah. Than that. yeah, it's not a not a very hopeful message for all the uh, the, the the smaller government people, right? So. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, has has the uh, has that message of how much every dollar that gets spent on NASA, how much it gives back to the to the taxpayer? What's uh, presumably that's that's stayed pretty good as a yeah, good I, bit I of math. I think the return on investment has never really been a deciding factor in NASA's budget, though. <laughs> I know, it, just, it seems a little bit unfair. Okay, but that's this is over here where we're spending money like crazy. We don't have to. We only have to argue with ourselves to spend money. 
everybody over there, you've got to argue with everybody else over there that's in totally different yeah. situations. And there's some no, that... very heavy space uh, countries that have been really hard hit, like Italy. And I wonder how much, you know, this is really fruitful timing for ISA that you just did the, the every, what was it, every three-year yeah, thing that you do, the right? ministerial? Yeah. So mm. you've got your budget sort of sorted out. Is that something that is untouchable at this point, or does that feel like something that could really get shaken up with all this? I, I reckon it's pretty untouchable. Yeah, I reckon that is that 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 is what it is, isn't it? And because all the nations agree to it, and you can, yeah, I can't imagine them all having to sit back round the table and renegotiate it. All. I, I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know the policy in detail, but I imagine there's some sort of mechanism, like in, in it, with a deciding vote by the by the council, that they could say, "Hey, we're gonna we fall back to a ten percent less or something because of mm. of weird times." There's got to be some like they can't just. I don't think anyone would agree to just like commit themselves without fault for three years. Uh, no, well, I'm, but but I mean, there's got to be some huge extra spending now, like like the delays on ExoMars. That that presumably yeah. wasn't in the plan, you know. Although I, I I think they were they were pretty. I think they knew by that point that that, that it was in serious trouble. I, I can't. I always thought that the, the COVID excuse was just a bit of an excuse that they always thought yeah. no that the parachutes are just a disaster yeah and, and the good the good um uh, sort of evidence for that is that the you know those parachute tests were supposed to be january and then they slipped to, yeah. fe to yeah. february and they're like oh we're, we're, we're really close and then it's like okay it's gonna be early march and then it was like uh actually we're gonna we're gonna delay for yeah. 26 months and then the, the parachute test jumped all the way to the fall it was like boom october like right away <laughs> like okay yeah you were not ready for that yeah yeah not even close <laughs> it's not not even close and it's like yeah that so that's going to be significant extra spending right there. Yeah, I, I, mean, think, I think I heard something like five hundred million uh, uh, dollars. Yeah. I think so, whatever that is in, in euros, right? But it's about um, the same, isn't it? It's not too far. Yeah, maybe maybe not too far off. But um, it's yeah, it's not cheap to store these planetary emissions for. Nope. Like it's and I, I you know I had a lot of questions about that and and. Uh, because I was trying to figure out what it would cost to see if it would have big impacts. And, um, you know, you go back to Galileo was a kind of a, one of the more recent examples where we had to do that. Uh, I guess not most recent, but it's a good good kind of example of what happens when you have to just park it um, because it's done but doesn't have a launch uh, ready to go. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was like 70 to $100 million a year to, to store that thing because uh, even just the storage facilities are like, two three million dollars a month like it's <laughs> yeah. it's gross like how much yeah <laughs> and then just keeping everybody kind of on staff because you don't want to lose that talent all this all these engineers and scientists are like ready to go with this mission you don't want them taking other jobs so you have to keep well, on on payroll yeah. for two years so that they stick around right well can, you can imagine that there's a there's a node of the iss with the european uh, robotic arm. I know you don't want to hear this, Jake, but there is a European <laughs> robotic arm, and that that's that's in a that's in a crate somewhere, knocking up a sto big storage bill. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you <laughs> just especially think, with like something like ExoMars, which is uh, <laughs> like it's an astrobiological mission, right? So there's a there's a cleanliness standard yeah. you need to keep with it too, and it's uh, it's mental. So the good part is that um, you have two years extra to make sure that your drill works on this rover, right? Because this is the one with the drill on it. I'm not confusing these. This is that two-meter yeah. drill. It's like it's So you can learn crazy. from uh, from our collective mistake of DLR and uh, <laughs> an insight over here. Uh, figure out, make sure your drill works. You know, that's like a whole other uh, like host of technical risk though, right? Because It's like, a whole? 
other. Whole, yeah, <laughs> oh, it is. Good. It's a whole other. Good. Um, like good. that. That drill is mental, though. Like it's like it 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 comes in pieces, and so you like you drill one piece down, and then you have to like the arm like moves the second bit, connects it, and then it goes down. And the connection is not just like like a threaded screw. It's like actually got electrical and data transmission connections between it because there's sensors all the way down the drill. Like it's a really complicated piece of uh of technology and that's probably the one i'm most worried about like if if isa can can you know third time the charm land this thing um then that uh, i'm i'm more worried just like actually some of these instruments working because they are they are not simple instruments well i mean let's let's face it that with with all these delays i mean exo that that rover the franklin rover was supposed to be what was supposed to be wasn't even supposed to be 2018. It was supposed to be 2016 originally. And it might have even been 14 before that. Yeah, I think or it's 14. Yeah. Times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you think, well, yeah, and then it's going 2022, and only the Americans have landed on on Mars without yeah. excessive litho breaking. <laughs> well, wait a minute. <laughs> what country are you sitting in right now? <laughs> you got one down there. Yeah, you guys technically landed. Yeah, I'll give yeah, you credit. We, That's half credit. Yeah, we did. We, yeah, we screwed we up the solar panels, but what are you oh, going to no, do? Uh, that, that's that's really depressing. The fact that it landed almost deployed, and everyone just said, oh, it was smashed to pieces. No, no, it actually landed. Oh, yeah, yeah that's Jake. I would like totally if gutting. you could. Could you, um, considering the fact that we are an international uh, collection of people here working on a sample return mission, I would, if you're comfortable with it, can you roll out your full? theory about how this delay impacts NASA's and ESA's sample return at Mars? <laughs> oh, uh, this yeah. is good. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of risk there, right? So, Oh, um, oh Always Sunny. We were talking about Always Sunny Philadelphia. <laughs> Do you, have you seen the episode where Charlie Kelly has uh, the map of like the whole workspace on his wall with pins and stuff like pointing <laughs> yeah. everywhere his whole theory this is jake's charlie Ke kelly theory about sample <laughs> i love it you go it's, ahead it's not jake. that much of a of a crazy theory but um okay so uh, the, the basic idea would be that uh okay so the xmr's rover is delayed so we've got now isis gotta cover many hundreds of of euros uh, hundreds of thousands hundreds of millions of euros <laughs> mixing all my zeros up there many hundreds of millions of euros uh they need to cover in their budget over the next two years and so the question is where does that money come from right and so does that um do they find new money for that which is not always easy or do they trim the fat in other places and one of those areas especially because it's in the same portfolio would be the fetch rover for the sample return because he says also building the small little rover that will fly on mission two land on the surface, go pick all the samples up and take it back to NASA's little ascent rocket. So if that gets pushed out, um, th that could be a problem because then you move a whole other window for the second mission. And the second mission is also like, uh, has to go in tandem with the third mission, which has, again, is ESA. So there's a, a knock-on budget effect there. And that uh, orbiter that goes for mission three is part of the communications infrastructure for the whole mission they they're running like nasa is running out of assets at mars for for return uh, communications right um there it's getting old so mars odyssey is coming up on 20 years now um all that stuff is it's, it's pretty long in the tooth and like the samples we're talking late 2020s here so like can these things last another 10 years and so if that gets pushed out, and now NASA doesn't have a communications uh, vehicle in that really, really critical window. Do they have to scramble now and go and come up with another mission? And you've actually seen that. So in the NASA budget request, there is a something called Mars Ice Mapper, 
which has been touted as a little bit like they're it's it's this weird mission where they their its purpose is not really like in one category it's like it's a little bit of a science mission oh we can do some polar study but it's also like uh it's for finding water for people well when we said people there we need to find the water so now it's like part of human exploration and it's also a communications asset to to fill the gap so there's there's this whole cascading effect all the way down all of the mars 2020 uh mars sample return architecture and all the ESA stuff that could happen from this now jan werner actually got out ahead of that in his like press release for the delay of XMRs and said, don't worry, we have the money from somewhere else. Like nothing's going to get delayed. Uh, and I saw NASA as well. Thomas Rubukin was, uh, who's the head of the science mission director there. He was really heavy on the messaging, like everything's okay. Nothing's going to, you know, they, the, to me, seeing them come out ahead of that and really try and lay that messaging down tells me there's actual risk there. So, um, yeah, it'll be Yeah, was that before or after Jan Werner was like, I'm not going to be the ESA guy anymore? <laughs> he's been on again, off again for another term for a while. So he's like the, it's like Schrodinger's, uh, uh, Schrodinger's uh, Werner. How many General, umlauts yeah. can you put in this title? <laughs> yeah, probably born in the same town. Or were they? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that that is that is that that's a lot of detective work right there. That's good. Yeah. But what have you factored in a Chinese or an Indian rescue on that on that front? <laughs> I have not factored uh, that in. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know because yeah, they might have some assets out there and sort of say, might, well, we might. can. We can. I, I'm really excited can... for the Chinese Mars mission, but I also recognize it's their first one, so um, I'm not like holding my breath that it's a it's a locked in success so. <laughs> <laughs> but won't they have they'll, they'll have an orbiter there though won't they yeah it's, it's sort of like a viking style mission so it's like an orbiter with a lander rover combo also all these three spacecraft will fly there enter orbit around mars they'll do some mapping first and then once they've kind of locked in where they're going to land the the lander and rover will detach and descend to the surface so it's sort of a delayed like as opposed to mars 2020 which just flies on its own goes right into the atmosphere and never never breaks for orbit right it just crashes into the planet and lands so <laughs> um yeah it'll be interesting well hopefully not crashes yeah <laughs> I'm. I, I mean, I have to say that's going to be that's going to be the best with the helicopter. Right? Oh yeah, Mars, a Mars helicopter. It's it's the best ingenuity. They got, got a name <laughs> now. Oh right? yeah, so that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. This this week. this week, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so excited for that. I mean, and, and so I, I I will always tell this story whenever someone asks me about it. But like, uh, this is this is like Sojourner. This so back in in 1996 seven. Um, I'm getting my years mixed up. 1997, I think, is when the Pathfinder mission landed. Um, and it was supposed to be just like a, it's a lander. It was a science mission that landed on the surface, a stationary lander with a little turret on top. It took pictures, measured the weather. Not a really turret? S- Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was a little little simple thing. Um, but the the technology guys got a, a little side project attached to it, which is this like cheap little tiny six-wheeled rover called Sojourner that was like bolted on the side. And it was like, it was not part of the science mission. It was like a whole separate budget line. It was a technology demonstration. And there were even some scientists that were mad about its inclusion because it just added complexity and risk to the mission. And they were afraid it was going to compromise some of the science, but they got it through anyway, land this thing. Sojourner worked perfectly. It was this adorable little rover. And all the stuff after that, spirit, opportunity, curiosity, were because of that little rover. So that's how important it was, right? And this helicopter to me is that for uh, aerial vehicles. This will be the first little tech demo that attaches to a science mission. I don't know. It might fly for a week and then crash, but uh, it's going to demonstrate what we can do on Mars. And who knows what the next 
you know, 20, 30 years of planetary exploration could be because of this. I'm so excited for it. I'm just like, oh, well, it, well, it might be the end of rovers. I mean, what's the point if you can, if you can get, if you can get really good aerial well, landers, I, I like think you, you, you hopping around, both, right? Yeah. I think like, like a tandem mission is going to be, uh, you know, the next rover, like more complete aerial vehicle combination pair, like the, you know, like some sort of like Gemini <laughs> uh, <laughs> a robotic mission of some sort would be awesome. Like they'd be having this little thing scout for you and, and find all the kind of places to help direct the rover um, will be just fantastic. And and uh, just getting the pictures of the rover from the air and the pictures of the helicopter from the rover will be oh man, it'll be Psycom gold for the next. Uh, <laughs> Matt, is yes. it because you're upset about Franklin, the Franklin rover? I think that's where it's coming well, from. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think we're all pretty upset about the Franklin Jamie rover. Jamie particularly. Just yeah. give us a chance. Just, just give us a chance. He gets a rover chance, named you know? after him and he's like, hey. I know. <laughs> Look, all I want to know, and this is, the, this is the really big question, is Jake and Anthony, what are your predictions? I want a year from you both of when we're finally going to land on Europa, drill down the 10-metre ice, and find a whalian. A whalian? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. These are the dreams. These are my reoccurring dreams I keep telling Matthew about. He doesn't care. But but what year do you you reckon? If that was to happen, when would it happen? Jake's going to wake me out here. Oh, man. He's waiting out for me to make this prediction. That's a tough one, man. Like, I I think... uh, it's tough, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that's that's pretty far fetched. I'm not going to lie. And uh, <laughs> well, I think the I mission is far fetched. I don't think uh, whalians are far fetched. <laughs> I'm all in on whalians. You've just got to enter. You've just got to entertain uh, me. We, we might invent some way to just look underneath the ice with some sort of <laughs> instrument from orbit before that happens. Oh, uh, so you don't think it's even going to be a drill? I, I don't wow. think we've drilled. What is the what is the Europa uh, ice crust thickness? I think it's ten meters. I think it's, no, I think it's, I think it's like ten kilometers. I think yeah, it's like I sixty think, yeah. kilometers. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Ignore me. You might. You might be like a crack you can get in. I don't think we've drilled <laughs> that far on Earth yet. <laughs> you so. said that before. <laughs> <laughs> which you know, which which we, we could send the friend the Franklin crack. I, I, I know we don't have <laughs> like we don't have like like good um uh, uh, track records with moles right now, but I think a, a yeah. mole is actually a, a better, mole. better, better. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you could get, okay. Like imagine okay. you had this, like, uh, uh, a mole that was heated. Right. And so you power it, like put a bunch of like RTGs on the surface that power, you could send the heat down and electricity down to this thing. It heats up and just kind of melts its way through the ice all the way down. It pulls a tether behind it. You can take, I don't know, 60 kilometers of tether, I guess, and some way to do that. And then it could just go down in the water, turns into a submersible, and then goes around, right? So you could you could keep the tether, so you could keep your radio connection, and then it's kind of like self-perpetuating. That's that's I think you, the way you'd want to go on Europa. I like it. I've just been uh, I've just been googling the thickness of the ice around 15 to 25 kilometers. Yeah, I was I was a little bit off. <laughs> ten, yeah. ten I like I like your uh, your gumption here, though. I got yeah. a question. Here's here's my theory for how to get through this. What is what is uh, do we know what the Europa ice and ocean is? It consists of. Can we turn it into rocket propellant in any way? Well, it's water, isn't it? Well, it's water. Is it mm. it's water, water? Water? Well, they it's they, water. They water. Think, yeah, it, yeah. They think it's salt right. water. I've got it. It's super salty. Just, yeah, I've got yeah, it. Yeah. We send an RL10 engine. We land <laughs> the engine. Stick a couple of pipes in. Turn it into rocket fuel and just burn the engine until we're down. 
that is that is a rock. Oh. That's a rocket engineer solution. Go, yeah, we've right got there. rocket engines. We haven't built drills that go 15 kilometers on their own, but we've got rocket engines that can melt their way through this whole thing. Or, or just a, a starship hovering. Yeah, just burn the engines on end. Just and then it goes into lowering. submarine mode, and we're right. The, what's the longest oh. we've continually fired a rocket engine for? You can get that Vasimir thing, right? That thing's crazy. It doesn't really put out much heat, I don't think. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah solar electric, yeah. <laughs> that's like, Anthony, I'm worried, just like holding I'm worried a torch. about contamination. <laughs> I'm worried about contamination. I'm worried also that you're going you're gonna to burn and kill the very first Whalian, <laughs> you know, that pops its head up and goes, oh, who's that? It's a visitor from another planet. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. And then instantly melted. Elon Musk would not give a monkeys about that, though, would he? <laughs> He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wants to blow Mars up. <laughs> wants to blow Mars up. He just who who knows? He don't give a monkeys. We could test the nar- the Mars nuke on Europa. <sighs> That'd be a big one. <laughs> don't upset me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you, you, we're not we're not we're not going to go to Europa to find Whalians anytime soon. No, I wouldn't hold your breath. Okay. Well, I always thought that I would die in twenty fifty nine. Um, and, uh, exploring for whalians you know, think, he's like that's a good window to get me there I could drill into the surface and die I with the whalians I reckon, I reckon we'll be close <laughs> uh, nice I'll be, seven, I'll be 79 79 when, when they discover whalians I think I yeah th- and then I'll be happy I'll be like great I can die now I, See you I think sub, submarine on titan will come first yeah I'm in Ooh. on that. A I methane love lake okay. sub- submarine. That's that's the one I'm going for. Man, Titan is really just like the right environment to come up with wacky vehicles. Oh, eh? Like this is awesome. <laughs> well, well, like like send an astronaut to just fly around. Yeah, with, just give know, him a pair of wings. wings yeah. Oh, man, I'd I'd be totally. Imagine we got excited about our our Titan special, didn't we, Matt? I mean, what was it uh, ice volcanoes? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Titan, Titan gets my vote, Jamie. Forget Europa, just forget it now. Agree, hard agree. I can't. I, <laughs> hey, we're going can't. there with this giant uh, quadcopter. It's okay. Oh yeah, well no, exactly. Oh, yeah, quadcopter in uh, twenty thirty seven or yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> shortly before <laughs> the whaleians are discovered. Yeah, not not too. <laughs> For twenty thirty seven, read twenty forty seven. I, I'm going to be pretty close to carking it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all right for you lot. Yeah, it's not soon, to... that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's always a depressing thing, reading about these things. Uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. I'm amazed Zoom gave us a little present halfway oh. through that and said, oh, you can have a little bit longer. They you, must you have should... known. They, they heard our yeah. conversation. This, like, is, this pretty is good content. Stuff. I've got to keep this going. They're fans, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Well, I was thinking, actually, when, when Jake was saying that they were – that it was something he'd been looking at on the podcast and that, and that NASA had obviously been doing studies about it as well. I was thinking maybe NASA studies are actually just getting people to listen to Off Nominal and uh, Miko and Have We Martian podcasts. We are that not is, getting our money's their, worth if that's that true. That is their studies. Because <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's how I do it. <laughs> if so, we got to get these Patreon numbers up yeah, if that's yeah. the case. <laughs> yeah. Can we land one of those fat NASA contracts for that? That would be great. Oh, exactly. Imagine that. A podcast with a fat NASA contract. <laughs> hey, if there's anyone of NASA now, listening, talking I'm of, available. Talking of, <laughs> so talking of podcasts, we should really... Matt, I can't believe that there's any of our listeners that won't know Jake and Anthony's work. But guys, for any new listeners uh, that would like to check out your work or can help support you in these tough times, where can they go to? 
so yeah, so I, I do a show called We Martians. Uh, it's about Mars exploration, which is why I, uh, I perk up whenever you talk about Mars stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, you can get it at wemartians.com. And um, I publish every two to three weeks. You usually try and do interviews and stuff. So um, I've got some good ones coming out uh, uh, this week. There's a, uh, an engineer from JPL coming on to talk about Mars 2020 and some of the uh, the processes they're going through getting that thing ready for launch. So yeah, I do kind of fun stuff like that. Uh, Anthony's uh, Anthony's got a show as well. Yeah, it's called Main Engine Cutoff, mainenginecutoff.com. It's mostly the first half of what we talked about, rockets and politics and budgets and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, quarantine, great time to have guests on. They're all sitting at home, bored, so I've just been hitting people up. No, no excuses, So we've got yeah. the last three shows have been Peter Beck from Rocket Lab, Tim Ellis from Relativity, and uh, Sean Mahoney from Mastin talking about rockets. And uh, in the case of Mastin, we're talking about their uh, contract to land robotically on the moon. So it's been a good time. And then Jake and I do Off Nominal, which you two have been on. Unfortunately, yes. I was, that was, you filled in for me when I was in Europe. <laughs> and you filled in. This is a whole screwy, right. screwy thing. It was like what a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah. Off Nominal is really fun. It's a it's a once a month kind of thing, and it's uh, it's it's basically no rules. Anthony and I just kind of crack a beer, and we sometimes we bring on friends. Sometimes we just kind of. You know, make stuff up ourselves and just uh, it's it, the last episode was really fun. Actually, we, we talked about uh, space logos. Um, it was uh, so we tried to do weird stuff like that where we just pick a bizarre topic, but just talked about different kind of imagery in, in, in space and, and what's good and what's bad and what's weird and what's uh, what's going on. So it was and specifically it was for the European audience how bad the Aryan space logo used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. There's some there's some pretty cruddy yeah. logos out there. I, I it was quite funny because I I I did not get that excited about the NASA worm. But then I listened to your off-nominal oh, <laughs> episode <laughs> where where you where you had got very excited about it, and I was thinking, "Oh no, I feel really bad now. Yeah, I feel really bad." That Anthony's enthusiasm excited. for the worm is infectious. So <laughs> I've got a whole book here. This is a visual problem. I know. Yes, I've seen that, but that looks does look it's amazing. All of the design aesthetic decisions around the worm. How do you put it on trucks and pickup trucks and all sorts of good stuff? Oh uh, yeah, I've, I've seen that. that. That book is is epic. <laughs> that is so nerdy. When's the worm? When's the worm tattoo coming? <laughs> that's a good question. I was going to say, yeah, that's a that's a really good that's question. That's not a bad uh, selection. I get for... that. Jake's got to get the Canada arm Post... on his forearm. This is oh, it. Yeah. Post lockdown, we'll all get our space. You tattoos. guys can get the old Aryan space logo. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely on my face <laughs> as as punishment. Back to front <laughs> with that with that brutal arrow right on your forehead yeah, and yeah. the huge yeah. drop shadow. <laughs> oh god. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the, I mean the yeah Canadarm would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Because you could have it as a sleeve. Oh, you could yeah. have the whole. You could really yeah. You could go to town on that. You should totally oh, do. But, it. but white is not a great tattoo color, though. No. But you, True. You, you could go for a dirty Canada. <laughs> dirty Canada. <laughs> you dirty that's, Canada. That's my favorite drink. <laughs> a dirty Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that would be. It's, well, yeah, well, <laughs> dirty Canada. It's a Molson Canadian uh, uh, with a shot of, uh, of Alberta dry in it, and someone else gives it to you uh, with their arm. <laughs> <laughs> and letter so Kenny's on. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, uh, and someone yeah, and does you that go, over, You drink it, then you top. go pop, pop on the table when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, on that note, on that note, we've got a recipe for a drink. I don't, I don't know what, if we can get anything more, squeeze anything more of out of a podcast than that. 
<laughs> particularly. It's a very suitable drink as well for drinking when you hear the name Elon Musk as well. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Oh man! You guys oh, well, thank you so much, guys. What what a joy getting you on. We've got to do this more regularly, haven't we, Matt? Oh no, absolutely. But that said, we'll see you next I'm, year. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> the interplanetary podcast, putting the ace back into space. Love that chat, Jamie. It was good fun, wasn't it? Aren't they lovely? We did say that we're going to do it more regularly. Uh, let's absolutely. see if we stick to that, Jamie. What can people do other than like? like like and subscribe at all the various channels like particularly itunes great if you write us a yeah. lovely review on uh on itunes that would be, nice. be absolutely fantastic if you go over to the space store you can still watch our um still watch our live show live show from they there, have it on youtube on, on, on youtube but space store live you really need to get yourself down to www.interplanetary.org.uk Everything's there, including news on how you become a Patreon. I know we bang on about it, but, I mean, why don't you join the club? Absolutely, and we've we've had some new patrons this week. Welcome <gasps> aboard. Welcome. Hope you're finding the water lovely and warm. Bye-bye, Spodcats. Goodbye. Goodbye.